an hour away. You could attend once a month, make a commitment, be a part of. But every, local, every believer needs to be a part of a good local church, give their time, their talent, their tithe to that effort because it's a local effort. Our, our ministry reaches out to the whole wide world, if you will, but it can't get the job done unless there are good local churches on the ground Troops on the ground, if you will, that are spreading the gospel door to door, as Sister Summer mentioned this morning, or just through uh, their local assemblies. And so uh, we need each other. It's not either or. It's not, well, it should be this or it should be that. We each are in particular important in our particular regions. But as I said last night, sometimes we just get the idea that church is me getting something from the preacher. And while I do think that's the foremost important status of church where the church you come here and you get word so that you can go out and live the Christian life it's also about helping one another and when you walk through the door of a good local church and you walk through those doors on any given day you minister to people whether you say anything or not especially if you know each other and people know you're going through a difficult time and yet you said I still believe it still matters enough for me to come through the doors. And that builds faith in people. You, you don't realize the effect and the impact that you have. You might think that nobody knows your name, but they know your face. Amen. And they know who you are, and that helps other believers. And when we come together in like manner of faith, joining itself for purpose, great things can happen. And that can only happen in a local church that gets to know each other. And so I, I, I just can't say enough. If you are within driving distance of a good local church who preaches the gospel, don't just stay home and watch SBN. You can DVR it. You can catch it up on Facebook. You can help with a worldwide ministry, and you can be a part of a good local church, and we should do both. Somebody shout amen. 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 All right. Uh, thank you uh, again for having me, and I have enjoyed my time here so much in getting to know everybody. And uh, I know you came for the food this morning, so let me get to the Word, and we'll get started. Genesis 15. I'm only going to minister on one verse this morning, Genesis 15 and 1. After these things, the Word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. Do you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Fear not. Do you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Fear not. Fear not, Abram. I am. I am. They were singing it a minute ago. Sometimes he tells us who we are, but maybe we need to know who he is. I am. I am. I am thy shield. And I am thy exceeding great reward. I want to encourage you in your faith in your current situation. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but if you're a believer, if you live in this world, 
for any amount of time, you're facing challenges both to your faith and to the promises that God has given you, the ministry perhaps that God has given you, the family that God has given you, the labor that God has given you. We don't go through this life without facing challenges. Can I hear someone say amen? Amen. And in all of them, God has the same response for us. And he has the same response to us. And it is as Abraham. Fear not, Abram. Fear not, Abram. For I am thy shield, and I am thy exceeding great reward. And if I can bring that thought to your heart and mind this morning, if I can get you to see that God is worthy of trust, He's worthy of dependence, He's worthy as the object of your faith this morning, that you can trust in Him more than you can trust in yourself, then you'll leave here strengthened and edified. And I simply want to uh, preach a message I've entitled, Protection and Provision. Protection and provision. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together today in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Lord, we desperately need your help this morning to minister the word. So we're asking that all else would be shut from our minds and that the true teacher and preacher might have liberty to flow through this vessel. And that these that sit before us and are watching by recorded device will also receive an anointing to be impacted by the Word, that they might be encouraged and strengthened and go forth to become and do what you have called them to become and do. We're asking for your favor in Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, Amen and Amen. We often look at the Bible greats like Abraham and Noah, David, Joseph, the New Testament figures that we've come to know so well. Back in the day, we learned them on a, not on an iPad, but on a felt chalkboard with figurines cut out and a little yarn that moved them back and forth back in the day. But we learned about the great figures of the Bible, the great names of the Bible. But as we've learned about them, sometimes in our minds, they have achieved a status that isn't really correct. When we look at the people of the Bible, we have to understand that they're men and women, even the greatest of all, men and women just like you and I. What made them great was not themselves. God made them great, and God aided them and strengthened them, and they had struggles and fights along the way. We look at Abram and we said, oh, if I was just like Abram, well, be truthful, you are. The Bible, well, if I could just be like Elijah, I mean, he, he called down rain, and he stopped the rain. I mean, if I could just be like Elijah, but the book of James tells us, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But in verse 17 of James 5, it says, Elijah was a man subject to passions like as we are. What does that mean? That means he felt just like you feel. He experienced life just like you feel it. He was shocked at times by the hatred of people. He was afraid at times. I mean, he has a great victory on Mount Carmel. I'm talking Elijah here. 
He has a great victory on, uh, on Mount Carmel. He destroys at least 850 false prophets. He runs under the power of God so fast that he takes over the chariot of the king Ahab and runs past him into the city. That's a dude on fire. I mean, he's moving. He's got something that is not normal. It's supernatural. And we see him and we think of him always in that light. But ladies and gentlemen, it wasn't 24 hours after this great victory, this wonderful and immense, powerful victory, that one person, a woman, said, I'm going to kill you. And he ran away. He didn't run oh, towards the battle. He ran away. Oh, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. And so when James tells us that these Bible figures are like we are, that they are much like we are. How many times have the, the, yesterday we have a great victory and God does great things and He comes through for us and today we're going, <laughs> how easily we forget. But I just want you to see that what is good for Abraham, what Abram needed, what James needed, what Elijah needed, what Peter needed, all the men and women of God that we hold in such high esteem, and rightly so, they went through it just like you're going through it this morning. Just like you're going through it this morning. And Abram is fighting the battle of faith, because back in, back in Genesis 12, just a few chapters to the left, he is called out of Ur of the Chaldees. We don't know anything about him except that his grandfather and his father were idol makers. Doesn't sound like a really good, strong basis for a relationship with Jehovah, but they are. What we do know is that Abram is connected to the line of Shem. Now, I personally believe that there is no good line. Can we just get through that right now? Some scholars, well, Shem was a good line. It's people. Come on. There ain't no good line when it comes to the human race. But there is privileged lines that are privileged to know the truth and that pass that truth on to, uh, to their progenitry, through their lineage. Back then, they didn't have you know, the text and the iPad and the, and the television and all that. Back then, they actually talked to one another. They sat around the fire at night and said, do you remember? It wasn't so long ago that, you know, I go to, I go to a restaurant now with my family. I say, put down the phone, for heaven's sake. I'm right here. Hello? Am I the only guy that feels that way? I mean, you give us half a second, we're... It's a bondage. Okay, now, I feel better. But the whole process of it is, is that Abram's family was in the line of Shem, and the promise that God made in the garden, Genesis 3.15, the promise that God made in the garden, even as he was eliminating Adam and Eve from his presence because of sin, was the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is going to come, and he will crush the head of the serpent. Meaning that 
even as God was moving man out of his presence because of sin, he said, I'm going to bring you back. I've got to make you go now. But don't worry. I've got a plan. And that plan involves a redeemer. A redeemer that would come from the seed of the woman. And then he offers up a sacrifice and covers them with the skins of animals, telling us that the redeemer is going to be involved in a sacrifice. We didn't know what was coming. But what God said in Genesis 3 is, it's all about a redeemer and it's all about a sacrifice. It's all about a redeemer and it's all about a sacrifice. Come on somebody. It's all about a redeemer because you can't redeem yourself. So even as he's eliminating man from his presence, he's promised. I said God promised. I, I, I didn't say that the government promised. I didn't say your wife promised. I didn't say that your husband promised. I said God creator of heaven and earth, promised that he would send a redeemer and that that redeemer would be coupled with the idea of sacrifice and that he would bring man. And that promise travels then mouth to mouth through the line of Shem. And Abram is in the line of Shem. He's not in the good line. He's in a privileged line. If you were raised in a Christian home, you were not made a Christian by that home, but you were privileged to observe if you did and hear if you did the gospel of Jesus Christ at work. And God showed up to Abraham and said, I want you to go where I'm telling you to go. But he said this, and i got to hurry. In, in Genesis 12, 3, he said, In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In thee... See, he, he told them, hey, I'm going to bless you, and I'll bless those that bless you, and I'll curse those that curse you. That's personal to Abram. But when God says... When God says to Abram, in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed, he's connecting Genesis 3 and 15 into the life and family of Abram. He says, you're going to be the line. Through you is either going to come the Redeemer or your line is going to produce the Redeemer. So, oh, Brother Larson, I don't believe that. Then go to Galatians chapter 3, and I believe it's verse 8. And Paul wrote it down. He said, when God said, in thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, God was preaching the gospel to Abraham. So Abraham has this calling on his life. He has this promise in his life that through him, through his seed, through him would come the Redeemer promised all the way back in the garden. Has God ever given you a promise? Oh, He's not going to promise you that you're going to be in the line of the Redeemer because the Redeemer's already come. I said the Redeemer's already come. He came through the line of David. He showed up in Bethlehem on the first Christmas morning. Sorry if that offends you. I still celebrate Christmas as the day Jesus was. And not Santa Claus. But the whole process of it is, is Jesus came and died and produced what He had been promised to produce. But He wasn't there yet. And Abram 
moves with his family into the situation of Canaan and starts to, to live there. And the Bible says by the time we see this, you'd have to go back and read uh, the, the, the chapters, and I don't have time to teach them to you, preach them to you, but in chapter 15, verse 1, he says, after these things, well, you kind of need to know what those things were. I don't have time to preach it, but I'll tell you this, that as soon as he gets to where God is sending him, you know the first thing he encounters? A famine. See, sometimes God will send you to Lakeside Church, and the last thing you get to do is go play on the lake. I thought I was going to have me a boat and ride around all day and just have a good time going to Lakeside Church, man. Are you kidding? God sent me to Lakeside Church. This is going to be a breeze. This is going to be easy. It's never easy where God sends you. Because hell itself will try to deter you and get you off the track. Get you off the track. Stay the course of your ministry. What you're doing here is vital. You may not see it, but you're going to see it in the name of Jesus. I prophesy to you, you're going to see what God intended if you'll just stay the course. It's bigger than you know. It's bigger than you can imagine. For He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ever think or you could imagine. And you that are here, you're a part of this church. God wants to utilize you. Don't take it for granted. There's a promise here. But when there's a promise, you're also going to face a famine. How will you handle it? When the adversity comes, how will you handle it? When your spirit is crushed and your heart is broken and your circumstances look as if there's no way God is in it. And Abram runs down to a place he wasn't supposed to go to. And when you go where you're not supposed to go, sometimes you'll be doing things you shouldn't do, like, hey honey, I'm really worried about me. I don't give a rip about you. So when we get down to Egypt... Tell them that you're not my wife, because if you're good looking, and if they know you're my wife, they're going to kill me. So I don't really care if he takes you into his harem, but don't let him kill me, okay? Just say, hello? Well, God got him out of that. I said, God got him out of that. And moved him back up and he built another altar. Abraham the altar builder. How many times have we come out of the famine that we weren't ever supposed to uh, leave the place that God... See, provision is where God places you. Provision is where God plants you. Provision isn't where you think it is. It's where God says it is. And so, with broken heart, we stay, we remain, even if we don't understand, because God has made a promise. God has said something to us. And Abram comes back, and well, and then he gets, and then the family arguments start. Anybody ever have a problem with your family? Don't look at your spouse right about now, please. Don't, don't look at your children. Don't look at your kids. Well, maybe a little. Some of the largest problems, most difficult problems we'll have is, is the woman you gave me, Lord. The man you gave me, Lord. The children oh, you gave me, Lord. And old Lot and his herdsmen start arguing with Abram and there's separation. You know the story, Lot goes off. 
and they separate, and God understands the pain Abram is in from that separation. Lot, I don't think, was not the will of God for Abram. He was his brother's son. And when the dad died, he took him into his family. He did the right thing. Raised him as his own. But he didn't have the same heart that Abram did for God. And they separated. And then there was a war that encompassed the area of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot was taken. This man, even though he's not doing quite right, we see it in the Scriptures. i I got to tell you though, parents, the bottom line of Lot is that the Scriptures in the New Testament says he was righteous. Now go figure that. Listen, it's not how you go and it's not how you journey, it's how you end. So if your kid is off track, wait till the end before you... Wait till the... I said wait till the end before you... I said wait till the end because those who are righteous are those who God says is righteous. And if I look at Lot's life, I go, Woo! He's a burning in the fire in the pit. But the New Testament writers under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost said, Lot was a righteous... Something Abraham did eventually got a hold of the heart of Lot. He made it. When you get to heaven, you'll see him. But the kings in that area got into a battle and Lot is taken. And now this son that he has raised, this one he has raised, Abram has to go, oh, oh no, wait a minute. That's mine. I said, that's mine. Every now and then, you just need to put your foot down when the devil comes in and tries to steal something, and instead of just rolling over and dying and grieving, it's time to put your foot down and say, that's mine. That belongs to me. I might not have handled it right. I might not have done everything right. But that belongs to me. So Abram goes against four kings that have just defeated five kingdoms with less than 325 men. Woo! Go, Abe! And he defeats the kings and gets Lot back. You know the story. He's got this great victory. He even paid tithes at the end of victory. You don't want me to preach on giving? Okay, then we'll bypass it. But you read it. He pays tithes to Melchizedek, who is a type of Christ, which tells us that even though it's not law, Tithing is a principle that's carried over into the new covenant. But I won't bother you with that this morning. The so Abram is not a novice. But when chapter 15 opens up, he's fearful. He's had some great victories. He's been led by God. He knows the presence of God. He's not, a, he's not a newbie. He's not a novice. He's not someone who hasn't, and yet he's fearing. Welcome to my message. We're not novices. Many of us have been through a little bit of, excuse the language, hell and back. We've been through a war, and we've seen God come through. But yet this morning we're doubting, we're fearful, we're crushed, we're beaten. Our minds are racing a thousand miles a minute. 
And you need to hear the Word of the Lord. Listen, after these things, with all the experience that you've had, with all of the victories that you've already had, with all of the things and the times that God has proved Himself faithful, He's proving Himself faithful to you again one more time and sending me to you this morning and saying, after all these things, think about them. Your story's no different than Abraham. You've known the author of your story, and he's shown up time and time and time again. And what makes you think that he's not still right there with you? I know what it is. It's the pain. It's the opposition. It's the hurt. It's the doubt. It's the fear. Why? Because you're human. You're not a machine. You're not just pushing the buttons and say, okay, faith rise, faith rise, faith rise. You lay awake at night and your mind is in turmoil and your heart is broken and you're trying to figure it out. How do I know? How do I know? Because I lie awake at night and my mind is in turmoil and I'm trying to work through it all. But then I hear the voice of God in a song or a word or the Scripture that says, Lauren! Look back after these things and hear me say to you this morning, fear not. Don't let fear overwhelm you. Don't let fear shut down your faith. Don't let fear of an uncertain future stop you from moving forward into the promise and into the provision and into the privilege and into the platform that God has designed just for you because Satan is working overtime he'll work overtime right after a victory and he'll work super overtime right before you step into the greatest victory you've ever had so I tell you this morning fear not now let's talk about this I know that there's okay I gotta say this the word of the Lord came to Abraham. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what pastors say. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. But do you have ears to hear? Do you hear the word of the Lord? Do you hear what you need to hear from the Spirit this morning who is telling us, fear not. You needed a word from the Lord. Here it is. Fear not. Oh, but Brother Larson, fear is wrong. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 25 and 26. Proverbs 3. And these guys are great, man. They put this stuff on the screen faster than I can say it. Be not afraid of sudden fear. Now notice what the proverb said. It doesn't say you won't ever experience fear. There's teachers out there today that will tell us, well, if you really have faith, you will never have fear. You are such a liar. If you breathe, if you live, if you are walking in this life, you will experience sudden fear. It's that fear because somebody just said your job is being liquidated. Your finances are in disarray. Your family is being destroyed by this or that. The policeman calls at 2 o'clock in the morning and gives you the name of your son or daughter and says, do you know them? And sudden, come on, sudden fear. Sudden fear. It, 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 your heart is turned upside down into your nose and you can't breathe. It's sudden fear. It's the attack of a reality 
And sometimes it's even the attack of our imaginations, but we, f- we feel it. We sense it. Listen to me. Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is conquering the presence of fear. Your faith doesn't allow you not to experience fear. Your faith walks you past. It helps you move through those things that are truly fearful in our lives, that are really disconcerting in our lives. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. The desolation of the wicked is coming. He's going to try to get us off track. He's going to try to... To, to just disrupt our whole life, ladies and gentlemen. And when it rains, it pours not just the job, but the job and the family and the finances and the thing. Devil piles on. Like LSU football. Pile on. Yeah. Never mind. I'm in the wrong state. So pile on. He attacks and we sense fear. But John writes in 1 John 4 and 18 and says, there's no fear in love. Do you, do you understand that if you're certain of the love that God has for you, it will help you overwhelm fear that comes. Wait a minute. He loves me. Wait a minute. Did you know that fear is trying to steal away your knowledge of God's love for you? Did you know that love is the fuel for your faith? When you see that God loves you, it becomes fuel for the ability to believe Him because now you're confident. How many times have I tried to go to my kids and tell them, you're going to make it. You're going to make it as they've traveled through attacks of the enemy and problems in their lives. You're going to make it. Know this, Dad loves you. You're going to make it. And the knowledge of somebody loving me gave me the courage to get up and move forward. God is coming to us and reassuring us of His love for us. Look at how He's done for you in the past. Look at the love He's already expressed to you since you made Christ your Savior. How much more now will He save you from wrath because you have joined yourself to Christ? He says, fear not, Abram. Now why can we be certain that He's with us? Because we who are Christians have entered into a covenant relationship with God. Do you understand covenant? Do you understand covenant? Well, a few of you are looking at me blank while some of you are shouting, yes, so you're all getting the same information. Here it comes. Covenant is when one party says to another party, everything that I have is yours. Everything that I am I will expend to care for you. Everything that I own is available to you. Everything that I can muster to strength is yours. And the other party looks and says the same thing. Now at Calvary, Jesus cut covenant. 
He cut covenant. At Calvary, Jesus cut covenant. The old covenant couldn't do what the new covenant can do. Because the new covenant was not cut between man and God. The new covenant was cut between Christ, the representative man, and God. See, the old covenant was cut between God and Israel. Israel broke the covenant and it couldn't stand. They broke it by not acting right and by not believing right. So what we found out in the old covenant is that in covenant, man always fails. Man always fails in covenant. You can't, uh, today, I mean, it used to be if I give you my word, then it's good. Today, even if I have given you my word and a 10-page document signed by 34 lawyers, you still might come along and change your mind. Because that's man. That's how men deal with it. But this new covenant, the new covenant that was promised in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 6, the new covenant that was promised in Ezekiel 36, the new covenant that was promised in Jeremiah 31 is not between man and God. It's between man's representative from heaven, the man Christ Jesus. And the one thing that he won't do is lie or fail. I guess that's two things. He won't lie. And he won't fail. And he says, Father, as a man, I give you all that I am. And God says, as God, I give you all that I am. And at Calvary, Jesus, our representative man, cuts the covenant. He doesn't ask for a lamb. He is the lamb. So he is the covenant-cutting uh, lamb. And he forms the covenant, and then he says, since I can't trust you, what I'm going to do is, when you accept me, I'm going to hide you in myself. So that you're going to be in covenant with the Father, not based on your promise, but on mine. I'm going to blow it. You're going to blow it, but he won't ever blow it. You have an everlasting covenant wherein God has said that everything that I have, all that I am, I will give to you. And Christ said, everything I am, all that I have, I'll give to you. And if you are a Christian today, you are not trying to prove to God that you deserve covenant. You are hidden in Christ and you have covenant. Woo! You have the promise of God. I will not leave you. I will not desert you. I will not fail you. I am what He says I am. And I am a new creation hidden in Christ. And I qualify for all the benefits of covenant because I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation in Christ. If it was based on me, God would have to walk away. But when He looks at me in Christ, He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father hath not left me alone, for I have always done those things which please Him. I have hidden by faith myself in Christ, and God sees me. 
as perfect in Christ. And the covenant promises is then maintained. Fear not, Abram. Excuse me while I put my name there. Fear not, Lauren. Fear not, Lauren. Why not? Because you're in covenant with me. Covenant that was cut by my son. And you are not responsible for maintaining that covenant. You are responsible for believing that I have provided you with that covenant. And based on that truth, fear not. Fear not. I am a child of God. I have a heavenly Father. I am a mess, but I'm hidden in Christ. And while He's working on my circumstances, He's also working on my person and conforming me to the image of Christ. But what I lack doesn't cause me to be thrown away. My lack is His concern. And so covenant relationship is there so that I can be changed that's why trials and hardships that we face so oftentimes are your greatest route to a change of character. Oh, I'm preaching better than you, amen. Tribulation worketh experience. Tribulation worketh patience. That's endurance in circumstance. Patience, experience. Some translations look at that and say that word actually means character. And character or experience hope. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Let patience, endurance and circumstances have her perfecting work. See, you're here in covenant, but you're needing to be changed. I'm needing to be changed. And the point of the adversary trying to take you out is God's route of making you more like Himself. If you believe that this covenant is yours, He will not only deal with the circumstances, but He'll deal with the part of you that still doesn't look like, sound like, or act like Christ. Oh, I'm preaching big this morning. Why, Lord, why? God's, why not? Let's fix that. Let's correct that. Let's move this. Listen, you're going to be with me in eternity. I'm in covenant with you. But God, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, look, I'm the biggest whiner. Wendy whiner. Right here. Oh, my God, my God. Because when I forget this. So I'm preaching to myself this morning. You can come along if you want to. When I face tribulations, I say, Jesus, I'm a little fearful, but, and I don't really understand this, but God, I believe you. I trust you. God said, that's all I needed you to do. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. Abram, put your name there. Fear not. I am thy shield. Oh, this is good. This is rich. Now, in Pauline writings, he talks about two different shields in his day. The Roman shield that was this huge thing that the soldiers planted. And you've all seen some of the old movies where they get behind the shield. It's huge and they plant and the enemy can't get them. Well, that's not this. This shield is a smaller shield that a soldier would use when he goes to war 
And that shield was movable. Why is that important? When God says He's this shield, He's saying it doesn't matter if your enemy comes to you from the front, I'm there. If he comes to you from the side, I'm there. If he tries to sneak up on you on the back, I'm there. If he comes to the left or the right, I'm there. If he comes from the sky, I'm there. If it comes from hell below, I'm there. I am thy shield. You know what's between you and your trouble? God. You know what's between you and your, your death? God. You know what's between you and your end? God. You know who is standing between you and what looks like an impossible situation? Your heavenly Father. And I'm telling you this morning, you can trust Him. Abraham, fear not. You have a shield. Again, it's because of covenant. So it doesn't matter where the enemy's coming from. Thought life, job, family, work, thought life, thought life, thought life, thought life. Do you realize that we fear and are worried about most things that never happen? Oh, but, 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 but they could. Well, sure. The earth could split open. We could all fall down into the pit this morning, too, but I'm not worried about it. I'm awful with this. My brain goes. And I'm figuring out all the problems before I even see them. And then I'm... I know these guys won't, but for me, you know... Lauren, fear not. I'm in covenant with you, and I am thy shield. As we find that God comes for us and comes through for us over and over and over again, The second thing that is a truth here that I want you to see is really what I think God is trying to get across to us most of all. Our situation in life is going to be what it is. No one's getting out of this life alive. Not in the form that you are now. You, you, even those that make it to the rapture of the church, you're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. You're not, you're not getting out of here the way that you are now. Thank goodness. You're not going to live in eternity the way that you are now. So, none of us. But at the end of the, so it's not really what we think. You know what? What we make so everything that we think is so important right now really involves our here and now life. Now think about that a minute. That's where most of the fear comes from, our here and now life. Now the exception is if we're worried and concerned about ministry, we're trying to do something for God, and I understand those worries and fears too. Some of you still don't know what God wants you to do. Can I say to you, please, become something. And then let God bring you your ministry. Don't don't pursue ministry. Pursue Christ. And let Him ready you for your ministry. But whatever the case may be, the end result isn't all about the here and now. Your your exceeding great reward is not a new home. 
My wife and I person recently just purchased a new home. And it's, it's I, I'm like, wow. But that's not my exceeding great reward. I love what I do. I preach the gospel for a living. Do you feel that way sometimes? I get to tell the good news. This is what I do. Wow! If I'm not doing it here, I'm doing it there. If I'm not doing it there, I'm doing it somewhere else. This is what I do. But my function in life, job, work, that's not an exceeding great reward, no matter how much it's wonderful. If you're here today and you're sick and you get a healing in your body, that's wonderful. May it be so. May God give you relief from the pain and the physical pains that surround this life. Not to put a damper on that, but every healing that you receive now is only temporary. Because death will ultimately take us anyway. So healing, even as wonderful and needful as it is at times, is not my exceeding great reward. The things that God does for me is not my exceeding great reward. He is my exceeding great reward. So when I sit down in the morning because I'm too weary to stand, And I can't even lift my head because I'm worn out and I'm fearful. And I don't know what to do. My exceeding great reward sits right down next to me. And says, Lauren, fear not. I'm going to be your shield. You're in covenant with me through Christ. But Lauren, I am. Just me being right here with you is your exceedingly, exceeding great reward. God of the universe. Creator of heaven, earth, sea, and sky, and all that in them is. He keeps it all moving. He keeps it all in motion. He keeps it all working. And he takes the time with me in my troubled state of mind to just stop seemingly everything and come to my rescue and say, Lauren, fear not. I'm going to be your shield, but I am, I am, I am thy exceeding great reward. Do you know him this morning? Do you know him as your exceeding great reward? Do you see him as your shield? Do you understand covenant? But do you know that He, His person, God with you, Emmanuel, is the greatest reward a human being could ever have? And if you're a believer this morning, He's with you.
He is your exceeding great reward. Would you stand with me this morning? Singers come. I've got to ask the question, and Pastor really approached it earlier. I've spoken primarily to believers this morning who might be struggling to believe that God is with them. Oftentimes, it's just that we have forgotten what we should have remembered. And I do not act as though I am perfect in this process because I'm not. I'm learning. But if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never one time acknowledged that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior. Then though He desires to be your shield and your exceeding great reward, He can't be. Because no one can come to the Father but through the Son. Jesus said of Himself, I am the way. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And if you're here this morning and you need a Savior, you recognize that you've been in religion or you've known mentally but you never saw yourself as a sinner. You never saw yourself outside of the grace of God. You thought that coming to church did it for you or being in a Christian family did it for you. My friend, it doesn't do it for you. Only your personal acknowledgement of your sinful condition and your personal acknowledgement of a need for a Savior can bring Him into covenant with you. But I've got good news for you as well. He said, whosoever, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No man too good, no man too bad. I've talked to people that said, Brother Larson, you don't know. I've murdered people. I've lived horribly. I'm so glad. I was able to tell them, no man too bad. Because on Calvary, Jesus paid it all. Every sin every stain, every wrong action, every wrong thought. And if you're here this morning and you would say, Brother Larson, I need, I need Jesus. I need Him as my Savior. Whether you've ever known Him before, you've never known Him before, you can know Him today. If you're here this morning and you say, I just, I need to know Him, would you just raise that hand up high? Let me pray for you. Is there any that would say, I need to know Him? I need to know Him. Any at all that would say, I need to know Him. I gotta know Him. Come on, He's knocking at the heart's door. You've been religious, but do you know Him? You've been religious, but are you in covenant with Him? I tell you today, He stands ready, knocking at the heart's door. Those of you over Facebook, do you know Him? Do you know Him? I want to pray simply and I ask you to pray with me all of you repeating after me Dear Heavenly Father I come to you in Jesus name I ask you to forgive me of my sin Today I accept Jesus 
as my Lord and Savior. I believe that He died for my sin. But then He rose again, and today He is alive. Forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me in Jesus' name. And right now, on the authority of God's Word, I can say, I've been washed, I've been cleansed, I've been clean, I'm in covenant, I am saved. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, right now I pray for those that have just made that decision, whether they're here in this building or watching over media. Father, right now I take authority over the enemy that would try to steal this joy from their heart, steal this truth from their mind, secure the seed of the Word in them, Lord. I pray over it in Jesus' name and bring forth fruit, not 30, not 60, but 100-fold. I ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. They're singing a wonderful song. Now, I said it last night. I'll say it again. You may be not prone to do it, but I'm going to ask you if you would. Let's come down to this altar for a minute or two. Let's just worship. You can worship where you are. If you're more comfortable, I get it. But there's just something about making a move from there to here that will solidify. If you say in your heart, Brother Larson, you were talking to me. I don't want you to run out the door or run to the kitchen table before you have solidified this truth for just a minute. For just a minute. There's no service tonight. You don't have to be anywhere else. You can come here and say, Lord, thank you. I don't have to be afraid because you're my shield and you're my exceeding great reward. Before we leave here, let's cement that truth into our heart, into our life. Cast all your care upon Him. Come and let Him minister to you as they minister in the Word and song. Come on. Oh. Come on. If you have a need this morning, take it to Him. Take it to Him.
is more than enough. In March of this year, and I've shared with our congregation, and I know that the enemy tries to stop and to destroy any and everything the Lord begins, and I also know that he can't. And I shared with our congregation, the Lord dropped into my spirit, and he's spoken to me every single day since March. And it may sound silly to some, but I don't care. And it was Noah built the ark anyway. And regardless of what comes or what don't, regardless of who says or who don't, he's still in control. He's still faithful. He's still just. And he is still the lover of my soul. He still loves us, church. said I wasn't going to sing, but I think I might. <laughs> and I will throw you on a surprise, surprise, but uh, there's things that come our way and, 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 and they try to, and they're designed by the enemy, not, but to destroy your faith. And I always go back to two places in my life. One, that David cried out, creating me a clean heart but that Jesus prayed. Not for, that the temptation wouldn't come, not that the sifting wouldn't happen, but that their faith fell not. And I'm telling you this morning, do not lose that joy. Do not lose that peace. Do not allow the enemy to rob you of what the Lord has placed in your heart and in your life. And sometimes you may have to remind yourself, that I refuse Won't let nobody This shout that I have, the world didn't give it to me. No, no, this shout that I have. Take it away, this little life, this little life of mine, 
shut my mouth before I get in trouble. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for this weekend. We thank you for the time. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the lives that were changed, the hearts that were mended. We thank you, Lord, for those that were in bondage, that were set free. We thank you for those minds that have been captivated, Lord, and been focused on the things that have come against them. We thank you that they have been renewed and set on the goodness of you, Lord. I pray that you bless the food, the time of fellowship, keep everyone healthy and safe. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.